what what a lot of people do is they make I don't know two or three hundred dollars on an awesome stock trade that's slightly lucky, and they're like, "Sweet, I'd been wanting those Jordans. I'm gonna buy those Jordans, right?" Yeah. Cool. But if you took that and you reinvested it in three more stocks, and another one of those got lucky, and you kind of just kept the snowball going, eventually you've got, I mean, however much money. I mean, I started five years ago with a negative net worth. I don't think I. The only way I was able to pay the $3,500 down on the duplex I bought is because my Harley had been totaled not very long before and I had gotten a check from insurance. And so like I did not have money at all. And now, you know, fast forward, right? I have a 10 unit that I bought in 2017 that I put, I think like $11,000 down with some really creative financing. And I'm going to be able to refinance it uh, in two weeks and pull $76,000 out of it without paying taxes. And I still own the 10 unit. We should approach it. And basically, as soon as we got there, like we saw a helicopter just fly up and we were like, so that's what it was. And we're like, you know what? Wrong, wrong place. <laughs> wrong variety. <laughs> Not where we should go. But here's where we should right. go. Back to episode, the show. Welcome to another episode. This is 93. And we are live, right? We have on the show yeah. our very that's... own Sayyid Jamal, as well as David. David, let the world know who you are and what you do. <laughs> uh yeah i appreciate you guys having me on the show so yeah david i've been in the marine corps for just over 12 years now and about five years ago started investing in real estate and then about three years ago started talking about investing in real estate really just kind of documenting what i was doing through a blog and then all of that kind of exploded and i uh i mean long story short i achieved financial freedom i'm exiting the military this year and nice. yeah we're gonna have some fun so <laughs> Hey, amazing. That's amazing. There it Thanks is. So, so, uh, so it's quite the transition to move from a right. disciplinary lifestyle of waking up every day, you know, being in the military, going on tours into financial freedom. This is, I think, is one of the, like the greatest stories you can ever tell. So what is your story and how did you discover this way of financial freedom? Uh, well, I guess the first thing was I read the book. Yeah, everybody reads this book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then um, nice. kind of opened the mindset as far as like, oh, real estate's kind of cool. And what I did was I bought a like a duplex. I lived in one half of it and I rented out the other half. And I basically went from paying <laughs> like 600 bucks a month to live in an apartment to uh, paying like $100 a month to own a duplex. And the other tenant was paying the rest of the mortgage and wow. paying down the loan for me. I was like, wow, this is cool. And then the military sent me to Hawaii for three years. And while I was stationed in Hawaii, you know, the house started, it was, I rented out the other half. And so then the house was paying me like $300 a month to own it. And I was like, okay, this is cool. I'm getting paid to own a house and I'm getting tax benefits and I'm not really doing anything because I hired a property manager. So I started looking for more houses. And so I bought, we bought like five acres. We had another house. Then we bought a 10 unit apartment. Then I bought. Uh, another duplex, another duplex, three more houses. It kind of grew from there. So now I own, uh, it's hard to keep track at this point. Uh, 50, oh, wow. If, <laughs> That's why you have the property manager. Well, well yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, it's, and it's, and it kind of fluctuates because we've been kind of buying and selling over the last mm -hmm. few months. So it's been kind of up yeah. and down. I think right now we just took over a 40 unit hotel three weeks ago. So I think we're at 59 units and then 
I'm buying another 39 on June 1st, two apartments in a single family house. So I'll be just shy, like 98 doors, just shy of 100, but I'm selling a duplex. So, you know, some, somewhere around 100 doors by the end of the summer, uh, if not more. So, Amazing. Um, That's yeah, a lot. pretty, pretty cool. A lot, of, a lot of cash flow, a lot of money coming in. What I want to ask you, David, you're really open about your finances. I love watching your videos and listening oh, to podcasts it. because you're really like transparent and it helps me think of, oh, this is what I can do to become more financially free. But I'm curious, um, are you ever like worried about sharing your own financial information? Um, mostly because there's like an old adage where you shouldn't even talk about your money at all, but you talk about your own money. So I'm curious about. I, well, for one, I, I hate the adage. I hate the idea that we shouldn't talk about finances because think about it, right? If you were, I mean, any other hobby, right? Think of, think of any hobby out there that you would get good at without telling other people you're into that hobby, right? Like you, you're not going to get good at building computers by not ever talking about computer builds with other computer guys. You're not going to get good at building cars if you don't talk about car parts with other car people like that's part of it is the community so i think the idea of it being taboo to talk finances is just setting people up for failure i think it's just because they don't want people to be embarrassed when they don't have money but i mean a little bit of embarrassment might be what that person needs to push them in the right direction i'm all for it i mean it's, it's kind of in my eyes it's kind of like the uh the people who are scared to say someone looks like they gained a little weight but it's like you know <laughs> It might not be an easy conversation, but you're helping them out by telling them, hey, maybe if you start working out, you'll get in better shape, right? If you don't have those tough conversations, nobody's ever going to change because people are motivated to change by pain or embarrassment or discomfort or whatever. Um, and secondly, I don't want to say it's that I just don't care, um, but it's definitely uncomfortable sometimes because the problem is like other people view it as taboo and it's like you got to do it in this really weird some people, some, some of the times I talk about money and people think like, oh, he's just showing off. Look at this arrogant right. asshole. Mm -hmm. um, and other times you talk about money. And so I think I think the best way to do it is to get around other people in your friend group, like build your friend group and your small group of people that are comfortable talking about money and pushing each other and helping each other and being open. Huge fan of like mastermind groups or accountability groups where you come together like once a week, every other week, and you talk about finances and money and investing and, and all that stuff. I don't know if it's always best to be out in public. Like when I first started the whole from military to millionaire, I had people I work I worked with being like, Oh, do you have a million dollars in the bank? Like, no, I don't have a million dollars in the bank. This is it. You know, and they were trying to like, they jab in and poke in. And then now the reality is, and it, it it, makes you, it still makes me uncomfortable, right? It sounds it sounds like I'm an arrogant prick, but the reality is I'm probably making more money than most people that I work with in the Marine Corps, my bosses included. In fact, I would be willing to bet that I am. And that's like, if I say that at work, if I'm like, hey, hey, I made this much money this month, right? Like, then I look like an asshole. But, but at the end of the day, like we should be comfortable talking about that because a lot of those people would be able to learn from some of the stuff that I'm doing and I learned everything the hard way. So I'm all about talking about it. So it's kind of a long winded answer, but I mean, the way that I get comfortable with it is just knowing like, Hey, some people are going to hate on this, but a lot of people don't talk through this. And if you don't talk about it and share about it and you know, then what nobody, nobody's ever going to learn what they should or shouldn't be doing with finances. So I talk about my losses just as much, if not more than I talk about my wins. And, uh, 
I don't know. Maybe to my detriment. Sometimes I get a lot of flack for it, but right. Doesn't yeah. isn't it uh, stressful for you? Sorry, but isn't it uh, when you now that you have a million dollars in the bank? Um, <laughs> how has that changed? How has that changed the uh, like you as a person? Is it more stress? I do hear a lot that money is another stress in your life. I definitely um, don't have a million dollars in the bank. All right. Um, <laughs> I, think, I, was say, I think that's a terrible place to leave a million uh, money. It's all tied True. up in properties and investments and whatever. Wait, wait um, why is it a terrible place? to? That's interesting. Why Why is it a terrible place to leave money in the bank? Uh, I mean, there's something to be said for liquidity, but let's say you had, we'll use $100,000 because that's not as daunting as a million. Um, <laughs> you have $100,000 in, in a savings account. And let's say that savings account earns 1% interest, which is actually way more than most savings account earn. Most of them are in like a half percent. But let's say it earns 1% interest. At the end of the year, you have $101,000. Okay, cool. Except that during that year, inflation was probably two or 3%. So you have $101,000 that's effectively worth 99 or $98,000 in last year's money. And so what's happening is your money is losing value faster than it's accruing interest in a savings account. Meanwhile, the bank has take out, taken out a loan on your money because that's what they do. And they're spending money and earning a higher rate of interest. So what I would say is if you only had if you had 100 grand and you didn't have any other money and you wanted it to be liquid, you you might not want to put it in an index fund because there's some risk where it can it can go down. But over time, index fund averages 7%. So you'd get a better return on that. And let's say averages out to 107 and then the next year, like 114.5 and it'll compound. But you could even just put part of it in like a, a CD, like a certificate of deposit and earn three to 6%. And then that's at least outpacing inflation. So you're not losing value. What I usually do is I'm like, ooh, I have $20,000. Let me find another property. And then I dump that money. And then I'm like, okay, I have no money. I'm gonna, where am I going to pay my bills this month? Uh, <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm pretty notorious about, uh, I mean, as a real example, if we're being honest on numbers, I have 18,000 sitting in a checking account right now. And it's probably the longest amount of time I've ever had more than 10,000 sitting in a checking account. It's been there for like 40 days because I usually find something very quickly and I'm like, where are we putting this money? And it just disappears. And I only keep like four or $5,000 in an account. Um, just because if the money's not, if it's not being used, whether that's to pay a business expense, like I just, uh, I just paid someone $5,000 to help me, uh, with hiring an assistant because I tried to hire someone for myself for like two months and just failed. I just kept getting really terrible applicants. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to pay a professional to help, help me find people. Nice. Um, so I either, I either try to reinvest it in the business very quickly, or, mm -hmm. uh, the reason the money is sitting there right now is because we're buying these apartments in June. And so I'm just holding it until I use it as a down payment. Um, but that, that I hope that answers essentially, yes. if you leave money in the savings account, mm -hmm. it's losing value faster than the bank is paying you interest. So yeah, you would say it's more, it's better to be wealthy than rich in a sense, like not like cash rich. It's better to be well, wealthy. Yeah, so, I, uh, I like the, you know, the description. Uh, yeah, the idea of uh, asset rich, cash poor. Yeah, because I mean, eventually, right? Like if I reinvest everything, what what help, what a lot of people do is they make, I don't know, two or three hundred dollars on a awesome stock trade that's slightly lucky and they're like sweet i'd been wanting those jordans i'm gonna buy those jordans right yeah. cool but if you took that and you reinvested it in three more stocks and another one of those got lucky and you kind of just kept the snowball going 
eventually you've got, I mean, however much money. I mean, I started five years ago with a negative net worth. I don't think I, the only way I was able to pay the $3,500 down on the duplex I bought is because my Harley had been totaled not very long before and I had gotten a check from insurance. And so like, I did not have money at all. And now, you know, fast forward, right? I have a 10 unit that I bought in 2017 that I put, I think like $11,000 down with some really creative financing. And I'm going to be able to refinance it uh, in two weeks and pull $76,000 out of it without paying taxes. And I still own the 10 unit. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like, if you just keep rolling that stuff, wait, eventually... how are you avoiding the taxes? Like, how are you avoiding paying taxes? Let's not say in that sense. That's, 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 incriminating. that's an incriminating. Yes, that's incriminating. Uh, how, how, did you, how do you use the loophole? No, 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 no. So it's actually, it's actually completely legitimate. Um, it's not, it, so when you, when you do a cash out refinance, because the money is, you haven't sold the property, you don't owe taxes on it. When I, when I sell the property at that point, whatever capital gains I get on it, then I would pay taxes. Or you can do what's called a 1031 where you defer the taxes to later and use that money to buy a bigger like apartment complex or whatever. And you can kind of, if, if you go really crazy into that, loophole um you, you can, can just keep pushing it you can defer capital gains tax indefinitely from oh, property, to property to property to property to <laughs> property and then you die and then, and then, and then, and then when you die the taxes effectively what happens is say i own a hundred thousand dollar apartment <laughs> and i own it free and clear if i sold it and i had bought it for 10 grand then that ninety thousand dollars i would owe capital gains tax on however right. if i die my kids inherited at $100,000 and they inherit it at, uh, it comes in at tax value for that day. So whenever they inherit it, whatever the value is then is essentially what they paid for it, even though they didn't pay anything for it. So they would inherit it at $100,000 value. And then if they sold it at $100,000 value, they wouldn't owe capital gains tax. But if they sold it at like 110, they would owe $10,000 capital gains tax. So even though they basically gained a hundred grand, I took the tax tax debt away with me. So yeah, you could you can theoretically defer taxes all the way into probate and then you die and it's like <laughs> Oops. let me start by saying I'm better at spending than saving money. So uh, I'm an idiot when it comes to business and like real estate. So if you can, if possible, dumb it down as much as possible so I can understand because I am bad at this. All right, I got you, I got you, I got you. All right, cool. Um, you own a $100 pair of shoes. Perfect. And all of a sudden, it's somebody decides it's worth $200 and you sell it for $200. You would have to pay taxes on the extra $100 that you made. Unless you found a loophole or whatever that says, hey, I'm going to use this $200 I just made and buy a $300 pair of shoes mm -hmm. and I'm not going to use it for myself. And then that $300 shoe becomes $600. And you can kind of just keep doing that. And as long as you use all of the money for the next pair of shoes and, and it's a more expensive pair of shoes, the government won't tax it yet because mm -hmm. they're like, oh, well, this is helping the economy. Question. <laughs> yeah. What if the pair of shoes uh, decline in like worth value? Is that not kind of gambling in a, in a sense? <laughs> I would say on shoes it is yes on on re on real estate there's always the chance that it'll decline but generally speaking if you hold long term it's 
historically real estate goes up an average of six percent in value every year mm. um over the last 10 or 15 years it's been much higher i would imagine we see a correction in a little bit but it'll still so if you bought at the top and sold at the bottom then yes there's definitely the risk associated with that uh although and that gets even crazier in a tax world if you sold a property or, or a pair of shoes for for a loss so say you bought a 200 pair of shoes and mm -hmm. then you sold it for a hundred the hundred dollars that you lost on that pair of shoes you could then basically take that and if you had bought another pair of shoes that you made a hundred dollars on you could go to the irs and say hey i made a hundred dollars i lost a hundred dollars and it would just disappear it would just they would wipe each other oh, out wow um that's so so that's why uh, to use a controversial wow. person mm -hmm. to use a controversial person right everybody loves or hates uh, the former president donald trump yeah. But when he when he took a billion dollar loss or whatever it was on a real estate investment in the early 90s, <laughs> he was basically able to take that loss and roll it into his taxes until it was erased over the next like 10 years. So so he takes this billion dollar loss and let's say the next year he makes 100 million dollars in real estate. He can then say, great, now this is a 900 million dollar loss and I didn't pay taxes this year. So it it kind of evens out over time. And that's why they say he's a financial genius. He is a genius. <laughs> Hate him or love him. I mean, he was a terrible oh president. Okay, that's fine. Well, as a businessman, no one can yeah, deny definitely. that he's a genius, right? Um, but well, no, I, I wanted to, I want to ask uh, one thing. Like I've I've seen a lot of uh, videos and like talks about when they say um, when you want to buy property or you're like the house for your future, it's better to buy the pro uh, the land and then build on that land instead of buying a, uh, a house or building an apartment that's already complete. Is that true or or what? I think that kind of depends on your personal goals. If you're building your forever home and you plan on living there forever, maybe just so that it would be, you know, a new home and it would be built mm -hmm. to exactly how you want. I've never bought a new home. Everything I do is is older. I think the newest property I've ever bought was built in like 98. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think I've bought anything built in the 2000s. Uh, I've wow. bought. I've had one renovated. My my wife owned one that uh, that she renovated, and I usually renovate them after I buy them. I prefer to buy. If we used a car for an example, I would prefer to buy a car that's five or six years old because it's already kind of lost value and and kind of plateaued in value. Whereas if you buy it brand new, you know it goes down in value. Now homes don't necessarily go down in value like a car, but you're paying, you know, top of the market premium pricing. Whereas if you bought a five or six year old house that needed a paint job and whatever, you could buy it for 10 or 20% discount and then put a little bit of money into it and make it really nice. And you still yeah, have some, some equity. Yeah. Um, plus, and the other thing is like right now, I would say that's definitely not true. I would say a lot of times you can probably get by with that because it's like your forever home and over time it's not going to matter because the home will go up in value. Right now, I would say it might not be a good idea because the price of building materials has gone up almost double in the last year. And so you're paying oh, wow. a lot more for home like home builds now than you would have a year ago. Right. All right. But so you, you saved me from uh, making a mistake, maybe. <laughs> but, uh, but also the price of housing has increased a lot. Yes. Especially now. So I'm going to ask for your practical advice. We're all uh, 20 somethings, right? There's a lot of competition in the housing market. How do we even get our first step into buying a first rental property? Ooh. Yeah. 
Uh, well, I will say that uh, in LA, especially, it's you're. I mean, you're. That's an expensive place to buy. <laughs> yeah. to buy I will tell you, and so not to say that you should go join the military because this isn't the only reason you should do it. But <laughs> the one of the big perks for joining the military is that you get access to the VA loan, which allows you to buy with zero percent down. And to put this in perspective, you'll appreciate this because you're in LA. Two weeks ago, a friend of mine bought a house on Venice Beach, like one row over a duplex, $1.9 million, and he paid zero out of pocket. And so he's now renting the other half of the duplex for 5700 and that makes, he's going to have to pay, so it's a $10,000 a month mortgage. He's going to have to pay 4300 a month, but 4300 a month is not really that crazy in LA. And yeah, he's, exactly. yeah, and he's living in a house on the beach in Venice Beach, for and he's and and the crazy thing is he's paying 43 a month out of pocket but he's paying off five thousand dollars a month on his loan so the money he's paying is essentially just paying down his loan and his tenants paying the interest and then he's living for less or the same than he what he would have been living for in that area anyway and he bought a you know 1.9 million dollar house so yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> the military the, that's that's the biggest va loan i've ever heard of anyone buying with so that's a little bit of an anomaly but um i have friends who bought million dollar home in san uh, san diego that was a fourplex and they've got four or five tenants living in rooms that are paying off their mortgage so what i would recommend most people do i love the house hacking idea so like if you could find you know, if you found a single family house with like four or five roommates and they paid your mortgage, that would be an example. Or if you bought a nice. duplex or a triplex or a fourplex and you rent all the other units and then you're basically living for free in this house, which allows you to save all the money you would have been spending. And you learn about real estate because you own a, you're kind of, you're a landlord and it's not as scary per se as like buying an investment property 2000 miles away because you're, you're living in the house. So there's a lot of benefits to that. The downside is, you know, you still got to come up with the down payment. But if you live in the house, even if you're not in the military, you could do an FHA loan, which is only like three and a half percent down. So what you could do is if you were buying in L.A., let's oh, wow. say you bought a million dollar house, it'd be thirty five thousand down. But if you bought a million dollar house and you did it with if you didn't have thirty five thousand, you could do it with like a buddy or two or your parents could gift you 10,000 and then you could have the other 25. <laughs> like there's ways to come up with that down payment. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you could buy like a million dollar duplex, you rent the other half of the duplex out and then you rent out a bedroom or two as you know, especially if you're a single dude, you rent out a bedroom or two in the house that you live in, you could basically live for free in it while it's building equity, while it's growing in value. And then you're saving whatever you would have been spent on spending on housing and you can reinvest that later. So that would be like, That'd probably be what I would be looking for. Maybe not a million dollars, but, um, you know, whatever that price point is right. to have other people help you pay the mortgage down. Right. Cool. I mean, that's, that's great practical advice. You still think with all the competition out there, there's still room for young people to get into real estate investment. The, I guess yeah. there's the other, the other piece that I would say is mm-hmm. I would be trying to find something that's off market. That's a little harder to do in a market as crazy as, you know, San Diego, LA, but like, I, if you were sending mailers, so you can, this gets a little bit more in the weeds, but you can find tax record data for people who own a house, but they don't live in the house. And then you can basically go in and you can say, Hey, I want to find someone who's owned a house for 10 years. They have half the house is paid down 
and they don't live in it anymore. So it's probably a landlord or they inherited it. And then you can say, you know, hey, let me send out letters or knock on their door or give them a phone call or however you want to touch base with them. And then you can go directly to the seller and say, hey, I don't know if you were thinking about selling your house, but I'd love to buy it. And a lot of times you can get a discount that way. Um, I've bought a couple houses this year where I paid maybe 50, 60% of what the house was worth because the landlord was trying to retire. They didn't realize the market had gone up so much in value or maybe someone trashed the house and they didn't want to repair it. And so you can get a hold of people and, you know, if you have that conversation with them and then you're willing to, you know, maybe they're willing to even finance the house to you. So you don't have to get a bank involved. You can just make monthly payments. There's, there's a lot of very unique things you can do yeah. if you can get in front of the seller before they list it on the market. Wow. Amazing. Cool. Yeah. Great I mean, in theory, it sounds amazing, yeah. but in practical, I'm sure it's much harder than it's that, harder. right? It's yeah. so, bro, I've just been listening to the terms and the words, like downs and four ones and like put out that loan and I'm, I'm like here, you know, it's like, what? Yeah. You're not, you're I mean, not here in Lebanon, we barely, we don't have that. I mean, in Kuwait, the government kind of gives you a house and they're like, this is where you live. This is where you are. Here you stay. Thank you. Right? That's that's about it. Because if you think LA and like all those fancy places is expensive to own a land or buy a house, Kuwait is a whole different story. Like it's really, yeah, it's very expensive here. Especially since our currency is like also very expensive. So it's like, it's that on top of, you have a population that lives in a small percentage of the country's, the country. you know, yeah. land mass, and no one wants to leave that small percentage, right? Like, I think it's yeah. easier. Let me show you on a map how it is. Uh, here, let me pull up the map real quick of Kuwait. Yeah, this is intriguing. I didn't know anything about Kuwait real estate. <laughs> you should buy a house in Kuwait. No, oh, I probably yeah, allow not. Me, allow me. A, <laughs> I don't think it's, it's as easy. As, right. So here's the country's map right here we go uh this is where everyone in this country lives right it's literally this small area out of the whole country right wow and everyone wants to live or at least stay in not even this because this is where like the expats live so we're talking more down here right yeah this is where everyone all 1.4 or 1.5 million people want to live and compared to all of this so it's yeah. it's the price value for a single house in or a single land in this area, let's say, is going to be super expensive, right? We're talking half a million Kuwaiti dinars all the way to like two, three million. I'll give you just so we are on the same page. <laughs> That's like a billion dollars. <laughs> no, it's like... Uh... No, it's not a billion dollars. It's like at least six. It's like six million dollars. No, it's wow. like this is this is how much you're paying minimum wow. for a house that's four hundred and fifty meters squared. I don't know how much that is in. <laughs> and you said right? you said up to two point uh, two. Uh, and it can go dollars. up to like, th- like three to five. Let's say five. One two three. One two three. It's <laughs> a lot of zeros. Sixteen million or around, you know that yeah, much to own a land meters. and the house that's pre-built but if you just want you know the land it goes from around a million dollars to two million dollars plus minus yeah and, take, and right? to put in perspective for people so, 450 meters is you know in la in la that's probably that's probably double what you're paying in la for a house on the low end yep that's, that's basically it <laughs> Like yep. the, and there are people that in in our country they got super rich off of just buying and selling houses, 
it is a thing here, but those are people who their grandparents or their grandparents' parents bought land back when it was yeah. piss cheap, right? And they inherited it, sold yep. it, got all that money, bought more expensive lands, right? And then sold that again. And it just kept going and going and going to a point where, as you say, financial freedom, which is crazy, especially in a country like for, for the United States, you guys keep growing and growing and taking more land in Kuwait. No, everyone wants to stay in that small percentage of an area. No one wants to move out. And it's, you know, well, I mean, the rest of where you would move is essentially desert, right? So <laughs> yeah, like it not, is. not ideal. Kuwait has always been a desert, like it's actually a yeah. flat desert and then the sea, right? We yeah. just wanted somewhere in between. So we went for that, like small percent. Sure. And no one wants to <laughs> nice. move inland for some yeah. reason. And here, here's here we are. I mean, to be fair, though, there are there is a lot of area in the U.S. that is completely sparse uh, or 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 you know un unpopulated for that same reason, right? Like there's areas, New Mexico or or Arizona or Texas or um, where it's like a empty desert, and you might drive 100, 200 miles and see like one ranch. So. <laughs> I mean, it kind of makes sense, I guess. There's definitely mm -hmm. some some parts of desert that I wouldn't want to live in, uh, especially when there's the sea and everybody else is there. Why would I move? My, why would I move west into the sand? <laughs> True. So that's and, expensive. let me ask you this: In the United States, when you buy a piece of land, is it yours forever, or is it like? Because I know in the UK they follow the 99 rule, which is you buy a land, it's yours for 99 years, and then it goes back to the queen, right? So is oh, it no. this like what's 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 the situation on? owning a land in the united states yeah. for the most part yes there are some interesting scenarios so in hawaii for example there are oh, i'm gonna mess up the land uh, there's a there's a terminology and I don't, i'm gonna mess it up so i'm not gonna try i don't remember don't, it's, don't worry, it's cool um but essentially they lease the land for like a hundred years and then it goes back but it, it doesn't go back to the government per se it's like hawaiian homeland and so it reverts back to like the hawaiian like locals before hawaii became a state so there's some unique situations like that but generally speaking it's yours with the exception of there's always the chance that the government could come in and do um like if they were going to build a highway through your area they could essentially like reclaim your property but when that happens which is not very often uh they have to pay fair market value or above it's not like they're just gonna you know Tell disappear. You, uh, you know yeah, yeah. Fuck get off out of here this is ours now and you know yeah okay that's fair that's i think yeah, they've I done think it here fair. in lebanon for example in downtown when they wanted to re when uh, what's it called the prime minister at the time rafir hariri wanted to revamp renovate uh, downtown area which it basically was all shops and uh, stores owned by the, by local people, but then the government just swooped in and like they bought they bought all of these shops under market value for very cheap, and forced like they forced everyone to sell, so that they can basically create it into like this commercial district since it's in the in the capital and, the, and basically in the heart of the city. So, and yeah, a lot of people basically oh, wow. lost a lot of money That's that they could right. have kept. Yeah. See, I am exactly. very like I love this conversation because thank you. There's a lot of people, <laughs> there's a lot of people in the US who think that the US government and not to say that the government does everything right, but that the US government is like the worst 
in the world, right? <laughs> and, yes, I, and, yes, having, and having and having and <laughs> having traveled a lot, right? Like I've traveled a decent amount, so I know, like, hey, America's yeah. actually not that bad, even though we have our <laughs> we have issues. But like, they what wouldn't be able to get it? away. It, well, exactly. What country? Uh, but but at least our government wouldn't be able to come in and say we're buying this entire strip and deal with it. Like they they theoretically could do that. But they, but, they won't. Exactly. but they wouldn't be able to do it and say, hey, this is a hundred thousand dollar house. We'll give you five grand. Take it or <laughs> take it anyway. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you on this yeah. point. But I feel like maybe just it's just people they just like to complain, you know. They they always have to find something to complain about. You know, even though like a lot of things are going are going well for for the US for US citizens, you know, as like a lot of you guys actually have benefits here in Lebanon. We don't even have benefits. Like, what's benefits? So, like, we. So, yeah, definitely. There's a. There's. There's always something in the Western world. They 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 create these things where they have to complain about whether it's about. Okay, so obviously nowadays it's just about terminologies and like pronouns and improve. that kind of things. Yeah, thing. yeah. You can always improve, but like <laughs> sometimes it's just easier to accept things as they are. Maybe I don't know. I could be wrong. I, oh. I think what it is, normal. <laughs> normally when I hear people complaining about things like that, I just assume that they haven't traveled. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I mean, so let's be real, right? If we talk about the pronoun thing, because you mentioned it, right? Like, I don't care if you want to be called whatever you want to be called. Like, that's mm -hmm. totally cool. You can be whatever you want. But don't come to me and tell me I have to change my vocabulary for you. Like I'm, you know, what? Like it's kind of a weird. Like I wouldn't expect if I if my name's David and I decided I was going to go with Joe. Like I wouldn't be angry at somebody who called me David, right? It's like mm. oh, I'm Joe now. Like those are kind of on the grand scheme of life, those are small issues, and I, I understand. And there's a lot of symmetrics that get into all that. Uh, but usually, when somebody's that upset about something that kind of you know whatever i'm like have you have you traveled at all like have yeah. you left your little area because like i'm a huge culture nut like i love like whenever i get a chance to go out and you know explore places like i'm all about it um and the more you get involved in other cultures and go to other places and you know whatever countries i mean no matter where you're from the better off you become as the more well-rounded you become as a person but you also realize like we have a lot of things going very well in America. Mm. And if some of these things are the things that we're fighting about, it's pretty petty on a, on a, you appreciate what scale. you have. Yeah. Yeah. You do. You do tend to appreciate what you have, which is crazy. So let's, let's roll back into the whole business and military. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Right. No, no, Wait, don't worry about it. Oh. No, 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 you <laughs> know what? It's it's yeah. It's a podcast. This is cool. what we love about yeah. it. We get to talk about whatever we want. I want to touch more on the military side of things because this is what, I'd say interests me more, right? Okay. So what got you into the military? I did not have any idea what I wanted to study in college. I didn't have any money for college. Mm. And I grew up in Arkansas and I was like, I want to leave. I want to see, <laughs> I want to travel. I want to see the world. So as I'm trying to figure this out, it's like, well, I don't want to go to school. I don't know what I would study at school anyway. I don't have any money, but I also want to see the world. Well, the military is a great way to do that. So I, met with all these different recruiters and the Marine Corps stuck out to me the most just because, I mean, he was, you know, the sharpest dressed, the most professional, but also they have a reputation for being the most challenging and doing a lot more travel and a lot more adventures stuff. And I'm kind of a nut job adventure type, you know, I'd rather sleep in a tent in the middle of nowhere than like 
live downtown in the plush apartment. It's kind of like, yeah, like whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, yeah, I was like, well, this is great. And then it worked. I mean, I got to, in the first four years, I lived in Okinawa, Japan for two years. During that time, I went to, uh, you know, I mean, we alluded that I touched base in Kuwait. I touched base in Thailand, <laughs> but I, I was in Kyrgyzstan for like two or three weeks. I spent seven months in Afghanistan. I, I went to Germany for a couple of days. I got went to Alaska for a day or two. I uh, was, and then after that, I was stationed in San Diego, Missouri, and Hawaii, and now I'm back in San Diego. So like, I've gotten to see a fair bit of different cultures. I've worked with Australian army, British army, uh, Italian army, Japanese army, um, the Georgian army. Uh, so like, I've got, and, and oh, then wow. I, I did an, I did an evolution two years ago, uh, exercise that we do. And I got to work with 13 or 14 other countries for like a month and a half while we we're doing that. So like, I've gotten to do all this exciting stuff. And, um, but that was, I mean, that was really it. Like the first four years was basically, Hey, I don't want to go to school right now and I don't have money for it. So the military will pay for college. So I was like, great. And then after that, I was like, I still don't want to go to school. I love my job. So I'm going to stay around. Is it actually? Yeah, yeah. Actually, actually, I do. Uh, that's pretty cool. And, and is it like the expectations? Like, so you mentioned how you wanted to travel the world and meet meet different cultures and everything. And I've heard other people say they want, that's why they want to join the military. And that's how they advertise it. Um, is that actually true? Is, like that, is it exactly how they advertise it? Or is there, you know, some misconceptions about it? Oh, there's absolutely misconceptions, but I mean, that's, that's normal. So the misconceptions are generally just, it depends on what your job is, right? So if you join the army, there's a, it, there's a decent chance that you might get stationed in Oklahoma because they have a lot of people stationed in the middle of the country in the U S uh, you could also end up in Germany or Italy, maybe, maybe Greece or Spain. Um, but if you join like the Marine Corps, right? Like all of our bases, just like the Navy are, on the coastline and so we have san diego we have north carolina we have hawaii and then we have you know japan um there's a little bit of service members in uh, guam and then you still have some some other coastal places but when you go to somewhere like japan right i mean you absolutely can go out and experience the culture i mean i spent i took japan japanese for two years i don't remember as much as i wish i did because i took japanese for two years and then got stationed in Afghanistan for seven months, which doesn't really do a good job of helping you remember the Japanese that you were studying <laughs> really um, when all of a sudden you're trying to <laughs> try. Yeah, because then I'm like, OK, I took two years of Japanese and now I'm trying to learn Pashtun. So this is not working <laughs> for me at all. Um, and of course, the only things I remember from my time in Afghanistan are, uh, you know, Salam alaikum, alaikum salam, and uh, a whole alaykum bunch alaykum. of really inappropriate <laughs> phrases that you would never actually say. I mean, you have to. Yeah. Come on, let's yeah, be honest. Yeah. I mean, I, I basically remember how to say, like, put your hands in the air, shut up, and get away. And <laughs> like, I, I say, put your hands in the air, please. I want to hear this. Oh, uh, man, you're going to put me on the spot. Uh, la suna portica. <laughs> Uh, I believe, unless I. That's so cool. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that's right. I I hope that's right. Right? Someone's gonna listen to this podcast. And like, I don't know. I I it's sounding Portuguese to me. Let us know <laughs> in the comments. Let us know in the yeah. comments below if he said yes. it right. But yeah, it's pretty, um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. So, well, where would you say you've seen more action in the military lifestyle? As far as these? like, yeah. Oh, uh, well, I mean, if we're talking adventure and stuff, obviously Af Afghanistan because right. that was actually had people like shooting guns and stuff. Um, Japan was much more like, 
hey, let's go experience Japanese culture and try sushi, sushi and we'll go to Tokyo and go to Rapungi and wind up in some random nightclub in the middle of, you know, some strip, strip club downtown Tokyo <laughs> wondering why, what's is. going on. Yep. That just uh, seems funny. You know, like, I mean, that's, a, that's, that's action, I suppose, but not, not the uh, normal military type stuff people are expecting. <laughs> Not the action I was talking. Definitely not the action. <laughs> Definitely not the action. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, so Afghanistan. So, so Afghanistan would be it, right? Because even our, our old friend Lance Corporal Jason Mnezes, shout out, uh, told us <laughs> what uh, about uh, he told us a lot about the shit he's seen in Afghanistan, right? So I was wondering if you can tell us like some of the crazy fucked up shit you've seen in Afghanistan. And, like, <laughs> cross correlate oh, his yeah. story to yours and see what matches up. We we'll even do a little edit. If we can. Um, well, it depends on what kind of fucked up you're talking Go about. Go all the way. Um, <laughs> all well, the I way. mean, I may or may not have seen somebody, uh, somebody film footage of a human and a donkey on uh, night vision. I don't that's, think that's. Uh, yeah. yeah no, <laughs> I was talking that's more. fucked up. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, so we we saw we've seen some other stuff. Um, oh, these have guys, you know, man. What the fuck? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Get that image out of my head. Okay, fine. Yeah. Um, I kind of no, asked I mean, for it. <laughs> yeah, um, you put it out. I mean, so I didn't. I wasn't in like what I would consider. I was in probably some of the rougher areas in Afghanistan mm -hmm. at the time. But I guess we got kind of lucky for a lot of what we did. So, you know, I mean, I I was in a vehicle that drove over an IED at one point, uh, but everyone was okay. Ooh. Which seems um, to be a common common thing uh, when we ever, whenever we talk about like. Or whenever we talk to soldiers, they always mention this specific point in a armored vehicle, and they go over an IED. Right? Is it like yeah. all over the fucking place, or was it was? On? Yeah, absolutely oh, wow. all over the place. Um, I was the lead vehicle for my deployment, so I was the guy with like the mine roller, like a thing that has like ten wheels on the front of it that roll mm -hmm. in front of you, and the hope is that they blow up instead of your truck. And they did most oh, of the God. time, um, but we hit <laughs> we hit a few uh, with the mine roller and then one with the truck um, and broke a bunch of stuff. We saw a bunch of other IEDs explode, had a guy. Uh, we had somebody who got medevac from an IED and ended up having uh, the lower part of his leg amputated. It was probably the worst from like an IED. We got, I mean, the, by the time we moved into Afghanistan, our trucks were much more upgraded from when we originally deployed. And so they were, for the most part, uh, did their job. But we saw... We still saw some some stuff for sure. We had, uh, for example, we were escorting uh, like the bongo trucks, the civilian uh, like dump trucks around at one point, and one of the trucks just stopped. And by the time we get back to the truck to figure out why the truck had stopped, it's I like, need to ask oh, you this one question: What the fuck is yeah. a civilian dump truck? Because okay, sounds, so <laughs> I hope that's not as awful as it sounds. Cause... No, 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 no. Like so, the they're they're called they call them like bongo trucks so it's basically just a normal like dump truck um you know they, so these were carrying gravel and then they would go and they would do road oh. improvements and dump the gravel but they would like hang they have afghanistan and, and a lot of those countries have i guess they call them bongo trucks but they, they just like hang stuff off it and they like spray paint they're very elaborately decorated and they actually do some really crazy things with some of these trucks i at one point, not to totally sidetrack this, but I remember seeing a bus driving down the road with like fertilizer on top of the roof strapped down and then a car, like two cars on top of the fertilizer on top of the bus. And the bus is just like packed full of people driving down the road with two cars and a bunch of fertilizer on top and like stuff just like 
kind of like wobbling on the rooftop and it's all strapped down and you're like, oh, I sure hope that thing doesn't catch the wrong breeze and fall over. Yep. Because but, that would be pretty shit, right? So yeah. Yeah. That's um, Arab countries for you. You can just strap on anything on the top of the, your car. Or yeah. Bus. And it'll work. And it works. And it works. It will. Yeah. It will. <laughs> it's that's, crazy. That's I remember shit. seeing a, a moped driving through the desert and it was an entire family on the, it was like, Mom and mom and dad sitting on. You the see that shit in Lebanon too. Yeah, this is this is a regular thing for me. I, I see it like I've seen that before. Like, <laughs> like a like a goat. Like someone's got like a sheep or a goat hanging on their lap and like a kid on the back and they're very just possible. You know, like <laughs> someone, the family, the dog, the dog, the dog, and maybe the cat as well. It's like it's, it's normal. You know, like the two kids, the two kids between the dad's legs. Yep. The the mother holding a baby in her arms and like there's another kid behind her. And it's it impressive. Works. I'm like, it holy is. smoke. Like, how oh, is your moped balance. still moving? <laughs> it's yeah, giving clown well. car a whole <laughs> nother meaning. I'll tell you that. Just, it really is. Because at least you oh, see them all man. coming out of that moped. You clown cars, you don't know where the fuck they came from. They just there, right? <laughs> but it's, it's just crazy. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. So here's yeah. my, here's, I think, because we're almost out of time here. But uh, what is the future looking like for David? Ah, David is planning on exiting active duty this year and going into the reserves to do like one weekend a month, or there's two different ways you can do reserves. So either one weekend a month or one month out of the year, um, but then focus full-time on my business. So <laughs> the plan with that is to to grow the online presence, grow the real estate portfolio, and then spend more time doing uh, like speaking or hosting events for service members, just trying to help them figure out how to... The military is a great place to get your feet under you financially, but a lot of people in the military... It's like the first time they get a real paycheck, so they blow it on a bunch of stupid stuff. And so I, I did the same thing. Um, so try to help them make the right financial decisions early on. All right. Amazing. Well, All right, cool. That's great. Before we wrap up on time, I want to ask you one more thing. So you say you want to leave the military to go and spend time, more time in your business. You also mentioned that you put $5,000 to hire someone to help you find an assistant for your business. So what I want to know is, um, without $5,000, you could have invested in real estate or the stock market. Why would you choose to spend money in your own business <laughs> um, and you could have put it somewhere else? Because if I bring that person on it, and I'm going to pay them fairly well as well, I'm probably going to, I think I'm offering uh, like $15 an hour plus bonuses for starting. Oh, wow. Um, and that's in Missouri. So that's a much better salary than like, you know, what you would like in LA, $15 an hour is not, eh, that's, yeah, that, yeah. You, can, you can make do, but in Missouri, that's a decent wage. Um, and the intent there is if this person can handle all of the things that aren't really worth doing as far as a time, it's one of those conversations that can sound arrogant, just like talking about finances, right? There's a lot of things I do right now in my business that aren't worth my time, like scheduling content or recording, not recording, but like uploading something to YouTube or, you know, some of these things, they take hours and the real benefit for me is making the video, editing the video. And then if I can have somebody else do all the upload and schedule and whatever, then I can do another video in the time that it would have been, or another podcast episode or uh, a consult with somebody or go to another appointment with a seller. So if I can spend my time focusing on things like meeting a new seller for a home, that might be something that would make me five, 10, 15, $20,000. If I can buy that house for really cheap, then I will gladly pay an employee two or three thousand dollars a month to handle all the other stuff so that i can focus on the more more valuable tasks mm, right 
That's, yeah, I mean, really that's perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for watching another episode of A to the Show. If you guys enjoyed this episode half as much as we enjoyed filming it, or if you learned something that new, because really cool. I definitely yeah. did, please do like, subscribe, Great share. <laughs> we will leave a yeah. link to David or Military to Millionaires accounts down in the description below. You go give them a follow, let them know we sent yeah. you. Check them out. Uh, special thanks to Saeed, who unfortunately <laughs> we disappeared. David, David, is yeah. there anything you'd like to shout out or let the world know? Um, I just wrote a book. Oh, wow. Like literally just got, my, just got my first copies in the mail yesterday. Um, nice. David. So it's uh, awesome. as, as new as can be. So what's it called? The, the no bullshit guide to military life. There you nice. go. And you guys should go All check about. it out. We'll leave a link to where you can buy that. <laughs> check too. it out. Hello? Yeah. Uh, like subscribe, share. I used to always say this and you stop for some weird like, reason. subscribe, <laughs> share it to someone. If you enjoyed it, learn something. Interact new. with us in the comments. Yeah. We read all our comments. Think. Peace, love, like happiness, them. and we'll see you. Goodbye. Thank you guys for having me on the show.